and welcome to here's Johnny's Reviews, the movie review podcast that will guide you through a movie. Each and every month there's a theme, and as it's August, I'm doing Astral Plane August, which is my look at the Poltergeist movies. So tonight I'm looking at Poltergeist 2, coming out four years after the original Poltergeist. Uh, with much of the same cast except for Dominic Dunn, who sadly died. With an undead preacher, now after Caroline's power, this added a Native American spin in the form of Taylor, a witch doctor? Question mark. Uh, to take on the new evil now attached to the family. See, now, when I was a kid, this thing haunted my nightmares. I first saw this as an easily scared seven-year-old, and it scared the shit out of me. From the undead cane, to that vomit creature, to the brace monster, or the braces monster, rather. Thing is, I haven't seen this since the late 90s, so can this thing still hold up? Let us find out as we travel to the other side. So, with a budget of $19 million, this thing pulled in $75 million. Starring Heather O'Rourke, Joe Beth Williams, Craig T. Nelson, Julian Beck, William, William, Will Sampson, Oliver Rubens, and Zelda even Rubenstein. Directed by Brian Gibson. The plot is weeks, if not months, after the events of Part 1. The Freeling family is all but bankrupt, homeless, and fighting an insurance battle. They have no choice but to move in with Diana's mother, where shortly after she dies, leaving Diana the house. Unfortunately, the evil from the previous movie has followed them to this new house, still after Caroline's light or power. It takes the form of an undead preacher, Cain. Tangina is all but useless, so passes the buck to a Native American, Taylor, who may or may not be a witch doctor, who empowers the family to take on the beast. However, can he save Caroline? Find out here. So, the movie opens up on a lone pickup truck driving through the desert. Inside is Native American Shaman Taylor, played by Will Sampson. He heads to a holy mountain to speak with an elder, and here he is shown in a mystical, magical flame, the beast threatening the Freeling family. Through some drum-playing chanting, the elder empowers Taylor with the spirits of his ancestry spirits. That makes no fucking sense, John. Anyway, to take on the evil when and where he is needed, he then hands him a mystical spear and te- tests him Test him, task him rather, to help the Freeling family to save Caroline. Cut to him heading to the site of the Freeling's former home, as flashbacks show what happened in part one. Important uh, for reasons, because apparently this is before VHS slash VCR, so this was added to many early 80s horrors, such as Friday the 13th. I mean, they added the whole ending of various movies, because, again, there was no VCRs, no no. Uh, way of watching it unless you saw it on TV or even at the summer at the time so there we have that one so after he pulls up to the estate we find out it's all but a bloody ghost town with every single house up for sale 
So I have to ask here, was it just the Freelings or were all the homes haunted? Obviously, when you see a house getting sucked into the hereafter, you want to upstink and fucking run. But were all the other houses haunted? I have to know. I mean, I don't believe if one house was haunted, then why not the others? After all, I do say that the only thing that moved for the headstones, not the actual graves. So were all the houses haunted or just this one? Also, I want to know what happened to Steve's boss and, and that company with the lawsuits, people selling their houses and other shit must have hit the fan. So what the fuck happened to him? So finally, he pulls up to the foundation of what's left of the Freeling house. He is greeted by Tangina, played once again by Zelda Rubenstein, who takes him under the foundation to see a huge cavernous, well, cave. Now, this is what I'm calling bullshit. You're telling me no one knew about these fucking caves. Bollocks! So while building a housing estate on top of the graves is one thing, I can buy that one. Because corporate greed, I mean, hmm. But building on top of a cavernous, gigantic cave, uh, no. What happens if it flooded or an earthquake happened? Or how did they not find this when they were digging for the swimming pool in the first movie? I'm calling it bullshit. However, I must accept this because I have no choice. Anyway, down he goes through the cave until he finds the opening to Kane's last stand against the end of the world in the 1800s. Tangina, she is too afraid to enter because she is cinema's most useless bloody psychic. I mean, that's another thing. How in the fuck did she not pick up in this evil the first time she visited the house? Oh, that's right. She is the world cinema. The world cinema? Cinema's most useless fucking psychic. I mean, she does little to nothing in these movies for crying out loud. So exiting the cave, Taylor tells Tangina he has seen this evil in his dreams. Okay then. Cut to the Freeling family, now on a picnic lunch with Diana, played again by Joe Beth Williams, her mother Jess, played by Geraldine Fitzgerald, and he referred that Grandma Jess is testing Caroline, once again put by Herald Rook's psychic powers, asking her to pick up balls of wool from her basket. To her shock, she can do so without even looking. As the gannet of a dog hovers up, Robbie, once again put by Oliver Rubens' club sandwich, and Steve just... Uh, Steve, played once again uh, by Craig Daniel, just stands in and laughs as the dog wolves the fucking sandwich. Get rid of that fucking dog, honest to bloody god. It is eating you out of house and bloody well home. Plus, money is tight. This is an unneeded extra mouth. Plus, it's a fucking gannet. Jesus, jinkies, get rid of the dog. Cut to that night. As Steve and Robbie are listening to a baseball game on a radio, with Robbie moaning he needs a new TV. Yeah, how about no, you little selfish git? How about you get sucked into limbo only to be communicating via a TV, you little snot-nosed punk. Shut the fuck up then. Anyway, later Grandma Jess asks Caroline what she is drawing. And she's drawing creepy-ass pictures of the preacher known as Cain. Caroline tells her grand she doesn't know what she wants to grow up. Maybe a ballerina. By the way, for a five-year-old, she is awfully good at drawing and colouring in because she's nine here actually I think she was ten here so hmm moving on because I guess you can't stop kids ageing however you can see it's a few years later not just a couple of months later anyway grandma Jess tells Caroline 
when she was her age, she had special powers, which was passed down to Diana, and now to her, weirdly, not Dana. Mm. Speaking of which, she's written off to go to college and just dropped. So later in a bedroom, Diana tells Steve the insurance company will not pay out for the missing house, claiming it's a quote act of God. Well, they would have if the writers had a fucking ounce of common sense. Not saying it's all missing, it could come back. Like, it's a lost fucking dog or something. I mean, who wrote this fucking ending? Actually, who wrote this fucking script? Caroline then interrupts the alone time to probably say she'll be a ballerina when she grows up. So she is quickly taken back to her bedroom by Steve. So cut to the next day. Well, Diana takes the kids out shopping. Robbie just bitches and moans, but he wants a TV. Where Caroline wants a new pet, a little kitten. Both aren't happening here. Mummy can barely put food on the table and I mean a fucking stupid TV and a stupid cat. I mean, hmm. Here Caroline meets Preacher Kane, played by a dying Julian Beck, for the very first time. And note, every time she saw him, she burst into tears. And I don't blame her, to be honest. This guy is creepy as fuck. He is all over her like a bad rash, trying to gain her trust. Creepy ass pedo vibes off this guy. Jesus, jinkies. Now, see, when I was a kid... I got Kane mixed up with the tall man for, from Phantasm, and both creeped me the fuck out, Jesus. I mean, the way Kane sings, God is in his holy temple. Oh, God, that's bad. God is in his holy temple. That's even worse. Well, holding Caroline's hand still give me chills. So finally, Diana's psychic powers kick in, and she's giving a warning Caroline is in danger. She runs to find her and takes her away from Kane. Which makes me wonder if only she and Caroline can see him as people walk right through him. So that night, uh, Diana dismisses her mother's claims that Caroline is psychic. Uh, hello, love. What happened only a few short months ago? Was that fucking Scots mist? Your daughter is a powerful psychic. Listen to your goddamn mother. Oh my god. Diana then tells her mum she blanked out what happened to her and Caroline. Only that all started fun and games until Caroline was taken and then all hell broke loose. Cue more flashbacks, aka padding, to the OG movie. After that, Diana screams she doesn't want Caroline to be gifted, she wants her to be a normal, ordinary child. So with that, the mother then tells her she'll be there when they're needed. And then she dies in her sleep that night. I mean, Caroline is awakened from her sleep, kisses Grandma goodbye, and then turns to her bed. As she answers a ringing toy telephone, with it claiming to be the granny who has passed on to the afterlife. This creeped me the fuck out as a kid, and even today I look sideways at these goddamn toy telephones. So next day, Steve is comforting Diana, as in walks Caroline. To tell her she knows the grandmother is gone. Later that day, Diana is tending a rose bush she buried when she was a little girl. In flashbacks, we see a young Diana, played by Jacqueline Bernstein, using her psychic powers to show young Jess, played by Kelly Jane Peters, just where to plant the bushes. I mean, what the fuck? See, this would have been a good idea if the rose bushes somehow kept Ken at bay and... Uh, the, the 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 pureness of the love of the way this oh god our judges cut this bit fuck it moving on 
So just then, a psychic wind hits Diana, which tells her her mother is watching over them. That night, stormcorns gather over the house as Diana is pulled underground by zombies. It's a nightmare! Next, a hissing evil menace menaces the kids as the storm clouds open, coating the house in unholy water. The toy telephone rings again, and Caroline answers it. It's not Granny Jess this time, but Kane, as the toys in the room all come to life. Q's spirits pouring out of the phone, circling Caroline, and this wakes up Robbie as he screams at Caroline. This causes an earthquake, which awakens the entire house. Running into the kids' room, Steve and Diana find Caroline hiding in a corner under a blanket. Where is Robbie? Who the fuck cares? Cue the tagline, they're back! As that's all Caroline says. So with that, the feelings run as the evil chases him out of the house. Smart move there, mate. Get the fuck out of there. However, waiting outside the door is Taylor, who tells him not to run. Also, Tangina sent him. He continues, they can't run, it will find them, and it's time to stand up against this evil. Steve says, nope, and gets the fuck out of there. Driving to an all-night diner where the kids have milkshakes at four in the morning. Yeah, that's a sauce I'm going to have. As a fat redneck woman, probably a Karen, is taken over by Jess to tell Diana you can't run from evil. It is no good, it wants Caroline, and it's time to fight back. As outside, Taylor is waiting for them, telling them to trust him, and it is time to fight the evil once and for all. Steve doesn't want to bloody well listen, and acts all racist to Taylor until Diana begs him to listen to sense and reason. With that, they head back to the house, with Steve still standoffish against Taylor. Taylor tells him the car is angry, but he can fix it. As with that, he shakes his charm bag all over it and boom, it's no longer angry. Later, Taylor is trying to bless the house, but Robbie and Steve are not having it. Steve pulls out the, I can't be racist, I've got a black friend card. When Diana tells him Tangina thinks he is the real deal. Steve even goes as far as calling him an unescaped mental patient. Okay, calm down, cuckoo. Until Taylor summons butterflies to bless the land. At lunch, Diana is then pissed to see Robbie all war painted up and scratch marked up and down her up and down his arms, with Taylor telling her this is how you become a man. Then man explains to her what it is to be a man. She doesn't stand for that shit and tells him she's his mother. She will do anything to protect him. Cutting him does not prove he's a man. Taylor says kids have hidden courage and they need to be tapped into that courage in order to fight this evil. With that, Steve comes home and his car is now spluttering and breaks down in the driveway. He screams at Taylor to fix it as up walks Keg singing that creepy ass song as the rain just starts pouring out of fucking nowhere. Caroline is then transfixed. She can't move as Kane approaches her. Dana then pulls her in as Steve has a face-off against the creepy-ass old man. Kane is pissed. He can't enter the home or even get close to Caroline, so he starts screaming, You're not going to die! And, oh, God, that was terrible. Yeah, mate, that's a way to get into the fucking family's good graces. Jesus Christ. So Kane tries to poison Steve's mind against Taylor, and it doesn't 
work. As in the bedroom, Danny gets a psychic flash of what Kane did to his following of a church when he was still alive. He said the end of days were coming and had to wait underground in a cave. This is all very Jim Jones. He is the beast. He stole Carol Ann in the original movie. He is pure, unadulterated evil. Disguised as a good preacher. So Steve is almost under Cain's spell until Carol Ann calls for him, breaking the spell. He then just screams at him when Steve won't let him in. Yeah, mate, as I says, oh, we have gotten into the family's good graces. Just scream, they're all going to die. Well done, that one. So after shouting at the family, Kane about turns and walks off singing that annoyingly shit song, which I believe is a psalm. As he fades into the rain, it just suddenly stops. So Taylor t- tells Steve this was a test and he did good, but he'll be back. It's time to become stronger. As with that, he hands him a solo, a solo, a soul eagle feather, telling him to get prepared for the next battle. This is going to be a tough time. That night, while Steve knocks back a bottle of tequila, Taylor tries to connect with Steve, but he's having none of it. So Taylor all but calls him a coward for not facing his responsibilities. Meanwhile, inside the house, Robbie has to deal with Kane's ghost that possesses his braces. As it covers his body in metal braces, it tries to electrocute him. Meanwhile, Taylor sits behind to protect Caroline because they've done this move, this in the first movie, so they're going to do it in this one, as basically this is a cheap rip-off of the first movie. Anyway, Steve and Diana fight to get the metal away from the power socket. Well, Diana pulls metal from plug. The sink explodes, because why the fuck not? Steve shouts at Taylor, who calmly tells him Kane wants Carol Ann, not the family. This is a distraction to get their hands on her. So Steve screams, why would they not just leave him alone. As with that, he is shocked out of his chair and blown halfway across the room by Kane's ghost. That raises from the seat, saying he's not done yet. So that night, the whole family sleep in one room, the living room. Taylor tries to cast out evil, but it's too strong. He has a grip of fear on the family. Taylor explains Kane was a preacher in the Wild West that tried to convert his church into underground what the hell it was doing see he said that the world was going to end in 1800s he kept them underground until they all died of starvation and thirst then wouldn't let them pass on without him because he was so evil he was afraid of the light so he kept them underground for almost 100 years I mean the spirits that are whatever he continues Cain awaits in the astral plane for his chance to take Caroline back. Taylor tells the family only their love can keep Cain away. He can't deal with the purity as he is utter evil. Love is the ultimate weapon. Next day, Taylor takes Steve to the holy grounds to prep for the next battle, leaving Dinah alone. Not to worry here, as Tangina finally shows up to offer help. Tangina tells Diana about the church that Cain created about 100 years earlier, and it disappeared and has never been seen ever since. So back with Steve, he mocks Taylor. 
as Taylor invokes his elder spirits and then gives Steve some of the powers via a peace pipe and a puff of smoke. Meanwhile, Tangina hands Diana a photograph of Kane from the 1800s. So she knows who he is and he is indeed pure evil. Tangina forces Diana to get in touch with her psychic powers she hasn't used for decades and cue flashbacks of how evil Cain actually was, sealing his church inside the, the caves waiting for the end of days, which come and go, but he won't let them leave, they all die in there and he will not let them pass on. And by the way, spot Jacob from Dream Child as one of Cain's followers. So Tangina tells Diana Cain was the one that took Carolan in the original. He used her light and powers to trick his followers into following him. But ever since Diana took her back, he has lost power. So he'll do anything to get her back. As with that, Kane just walks up singing that song again. As back to Taylor, he tells Steve to face Kane where it all started. Back home under the house. And note, there was a cutscene where Tangina has to face off with Kane and she loses, but it was dropped for reasons. I mean, why the hell would you just have Kane walk up to the house as Diana explains, oh my god, he's an evil preacher, and just cuts to, to Taylor giving uh, Steve advice. I mean, oh my god. Anyway, so now back home, Taylor has left, leaving Steve to protect his family. However, the family is falling to pieces, so Kane uses this chance to possess Steve via a tequila worm. This absolutely freaked the fuck out of me as a kid, and it still does to this day, as this vomit demon is fucking disgusting. And as this is happening, Caroline and Diana share a bath, and here Caroline tells Diana she knows why they're here to get her. They crave her power, her light, and her pureness. As outside, dozens of spirits head to the house as Steve has been possessed by Cain. Within 40 seconds, Steve is taken over. So much for Native American magic then. Hmm. And with that, he goes upstairs to rape Diana? What in the fuck? What is it with 80s movies and fucking rape? I mean, crying out loud. This is not needed. If they wanted to show how evil Kane was, they could have shown him beating up Diana. Not that's many better, mind you. But they go for rape. What the fuck? I mean, they could have shown him being nasty to, to Carolina, shouting at the kids and shouting at, at Diana. But no, they go to fucking rape. What the fuck? And here, quote, Steve lets slip. He knows all about the roses and why they were planted. Also, she thinks life would be better without Caroline. Diana screams at quote Steve that she loves him as he attempts to rape her. This forces out the evil as it is vomited out in the form of a demon, which crawls under the bed and turns into a half human, half worm. And note this was a noble Craig under tons of makeup and he's a quadriplegic actor anyway it goes after the kids so Diana and Steve hunt the, down the kids it morphs into a Medusa like creature and tries to kill Steve by hitting his head off the top of the, the ceiling multiple times but Taylor's magic smoke shits out of his mouth and forces the worm monster thing back into hell 
With that, they hunt down for the kids, finding them in the garage hiding in the car. Oh, fucking hell breaks loose as Kate uses his many, many followers to jump scare left, right and bloody centre as electrical cables keep Steve uh, from Caroline, who is hiding in the car. Of course, once inside said car, it will not start because it's still pissed off. Chainsaws, spanners, fucking screwdrivers, you name it, hit the car as a chain wraps around the back bumper. It tries to stop the car from leaving, but it fails as Steve floors it. And note, uh, the scenes, these scenes and astral plane scenes were supposed to be shot in 3D, but it was pulled, hence why this looks fucking off. So with the car finally free, Steve heads back to his old house's foundation to face off against the evil. Once there, they head inside the cave and face Kane's evil. Handily, Tangina is waiting in the shadows, so they all go down. Diana cries they all die down here all because of Kane and his narcissistic need for followers. This doesn't sit well with Kane, who sucks Diana and Caroline into the astral plane. Tangina, the world's new psychic, just stands there as Taylor starts to chant outside at a bonfire. What the fuck is happening here? He sends Steve and Robbie to the astral plane via a bonfire. What in the fuck is happening to this ending? Who the fuck wrote this ending? Now all four freelings are free-floating in the astral plane. They must meet up and use the power of love to defeat Kane. They do so, however, Kane's evil is too strong as he kidnaps Caroline and then sucks the life force out of her, turning into a dried up husk. The fuck? Taylor throws the spear given to him by his elder to Steve, who impales Kane, sending him back down to hell. Caroline is free falling. Not to worry, however, Grandmother is there to save her after she leads Kane's followers into the light. Caroline then floats into Diana's arms. The Freeling family is forced out of the astral plane. Tajira just stands there and does fuck all. How the hell did Caroline get her life force back if Kane sucked it? Oh, who God, no one knows. They all exit the cave, and I throw up and toss this piece of shit DVD in the trash where it belongs, as this was Portuguese to the other side. God damn it, I thought part one was a spook house, but I was fucking wrong. This is a piss poor attempt of a fucking movie. This ending falls completely to fucking pieces. What in the hell happened? I mean, you have a killer bad guy in the creepy ass cane and it just jumps to fucking monster worms and astral plane floating and what the fuck? I mean, this is a complete pile of shit. This is nothing but a cheap clone of Portageist 1 and it sucks balls. I mean, I have no idea what to give this thing. I mean, I think I'll give it exactly half of what I gave Portuguese 1, because this is half a fucking movie. I'm going to give this thing 3 out of 10. This is just dire, and it gets fucking worse. Part 3 coming up, and then the remake. Jesus, jinkies. Anyway, as I says, come back next week as I look at Portuguese 3 for my sins. Oof, that's going to be rough. Now, don't forget to like, share, comment, and subscribe, and follow me on Twitter at Here's Johnny's Pod. Now, go check out one of my other of hundreds of podcasts, and a bye. Now, this podcast is clean.